Today on The Girl Defined Show, we are talking about the difference between real intimacy and sex. And it may not be at all what you're thinking, because the truth is, you can live without sex, but you can't live without intimacy. What's the difference? We're unpacking that all right here, right now. What's up, sisterhood? It's Bethany here, and we're unpacking a question that I honestly asked Many times when I was single and wondering if I would get married or ever experience sexual intimacy, and it's this question, like, can I be truly satisfied if I never have sex, if I never get to experience this incredible thing that, you know, is in, like, every movie and is proclaimed from the tops of Hollywood, basically saying, like, the ultimate to, like, a complete fulfilled life is this you know, incredible sexual experience. And I mean, when you really think about it, when you really stop and look at our world and think about what they're promoting and what they're telling us is the height of being like a human. It's experiencing some like out of this world sexual experience. And it's like, once you can reach that, once you have that, that will like, you know, you will, you will have arrived. I mean, even think of someone, you know, they say like, oh, when you find a partner, um, you want to find someone you're sexually compatible with. Like that's one of the most important things they say, you know, is it crucial to a relationship? And I'm actually going to be debunking a lot of that today because I'm going to be talking about the difference between sex and intimacy. And I am a firm believer in the fact that we can live without sex. We can actually thrive and have an incredible life, totally fulfilling our purpose without sex. But we cannot do that without true, real intimacy. And they're completely different things. And we're going to be digging into that today. And in fact, I actually share a lot of my journey and just um, my story of singleness and asking and wrestling through a lot of these questions in my brand new book, Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. And I don't know about you, but our sexuality, our sexual desires, our longings, our hopes, our relationship status, um, our past, things we have done, things we haven't done, we have to come to such a place of surrender and trust with all of that because it's hard, it's weighty, it's heavy, it's it's scary. The unknowns, just the regrets, whatever it is, those can be so difficult. And so learning how to work through all of that from a place of biblical understanding, a place of this true knowledge of who God is and his character and, and just coming to that place of complete surrender and trust is absolutely life changing. And it's through this process that I learned the importance of having true intimacy and realizing I could live if I never had sex and I could thrive if I never had sex. So if you want to learn more about trusting God and, you know, learning how to thrive right where he has you, whether you're single, whether you're married, because let's be real, just because you're married and say you are married and and having sex all the time does not equal satisfaction. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Why, you know, you can, you can live without sex or you can even be having sex, but if you don't have true intimacy, um, with God, then you will live a life that is not truly satisfied. So learn about how to have a truly satisfied life in all areas, not just when it comes to sex, in all areas, whether you're single or married, by grabbing a copy of Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. You can grab it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere online, or just head to our shop, girldefined.com slash shop. Again, that's not part of the plan, trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. Okay, I realize that this is a very um, heavy conversation in so many ways because whenever we talk about sex, whenever we talk about this this area of our lives, it brings up a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different um, 
memories or just unfulfilled longings. And it's hard. So I want you to know that no matter where you're coming from today, no matter your past, (laughs) where you think your future's going, your relationship status, like honestly, in this conversation, none of that matters because what we're talking about is the crucial importance of understanding why God created us the way that he did and understanding our truest longing, which is for intimacy with God. And that's something that any of us can have, whether we have, we look back and we're like, I have so many regrets over my life, or we look forward and we're like, I just see no hope of the life that I wanted. It doesn't matter where we've been or where we're going because true intimacy with our Savior is something that God opens up to all of us. And through the gospel, through his son, Jesus Christ, we all have the choice to have a personal deep, intimate relationship with him, which is, you know, as image bearers, those that were made in the image of God, it's ultimately what are created, what we were created for. So you could have everything else in life. You could have the hottest husband, the, you know, the best sex in the world, the best job, you know, dream everything. But if you don't have true intimacy with your savior, you'll always be looking to, okay, what's that next thing? What's that next thing that's going to fulfill me? How can I really be satisfied? Maybe if I just had a little more of this. So this conversation is for everyone, but um, what I what what I hope to answer by the end of this episode is, can I truly be satisfied if I never have sex? And I'm just curious. Like, obviously, you can't talk back and tell me because we're on a podcast. But I'm just curious if I asked you that question: Can a woman be truly satisfied if she never has sex ever? You know, maybe she's you know she has not had sex up until this point in her life, and she will never in her future. We just got you know this word she's never going to have sex. Could she be and live a truly satisfied life? Could a man live a truly satisfied life if he never had sex um, and didn't find other means to you know bring himself pleasure, or bring herself pleasure? Like seriously, I know this sounds silly, but I'm asking this seriously, and I want you to think about what would your answer be, and I want you to think about. Okay, how would you back up your answer biblically? Could you, or is that just kind of like off the top of your head? And that's what we're going to be unpacking today. I want you to have confidence by the end of this episode that you could answer that question. Can a person live without sex and still be truly satisfied? That's what we're hoping to unpack today. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions that women ask specifically when it comes to this area of sexuality, sex. And here's just a few questions that I've received over the years through DMs, emails, whatever it is. Does God care about my sexual longings? A big question that both Kristen and I obviously have received here at Girl Define. Another one, is having sex before marriage really that big of a deal? Does God have anything to say? Does he really care? Or what should I do with my same-sex attraction? And this actually ties right into this episode today. Um, we are going to be going there. We are going to be talking about same-sex attraction. Um, all, not all of that, but that does definitely tie into this conversation of, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Wouldn't he want me to live out these desires and and not um, keep me from what my heart truly wants and what I was truly made for? And this ties, it doesn't matter, you know, same-sex attraction or not, it's this answer truly is the same. And you'll be, I think, surprised by that. Another question, is lust a girl problem? So often we feel like lust is spoken of as like a man issue, a guy issue. And so we often as women feel embarrassed to even admit that we have longings, that we have desires, and that we struggle and we sin, you know, and we have we have our own set of issues ourselves or even just, you know, not even lust, but just like desires. Um, so often this is just portrayed as a man issue. And I feel like women can feel left out. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. Like, I know I have. 
Or what about, am I the only girl in the world who struggles with this sin? Am I the only girl who struggles with pornography? Am I the only woman who struggled with masturbation? Am I the only woman who struggles with reading erotica? Am I the only woman who struggles watching movies late at night that aren't pornography, but pretty close to it, you know? Am I the only woman who finds myself lusting after other men? Am I the only woman who's married but finds myself fantasizing about being with someone else? Am I the only woman and you fill in the blank? We often... Do not address these issues for women. We are not open about them so often, and we feel like we're the only ones. Or how can God forgive me for what I've done? How can God forgive me for this thing that maybe I've never even told anyone? Or am I stuck in the wrong body? Why would God do this to me if he, you know, if he has a design in scripture? Why would he, why would he, you know, give me these desires, longings, or put me in this wrong body? Why would he allow that to happen? Or, um, you know, even in uh, uh, the area of something that you have not done wrong, but somebody else has wronged you, just wondering, is God a good God? Does he care? Does he love me? Does he care about my, my just hurt and the evil that was done against me? Um, and I'm actually going to put a link because I, my heart breaks for anyone who has suffered at the hands of abuse. And Kristen and I are... Um, planning and working on getting you several episodes with amazing godly Christian women who have suffered in this way and who have found themselves finding freedom and victory over just the, you know, the just bitterness and just unforgiveness and just all of that because of just uh, so much pain um, and just struggling to believe that God is a good God. We have some incredible interviews coming up. So if you're someone who has suffered in that way, know that we see you, we care about you, and we are going to bring you hope and encouragement in that area. But for today, there's an incredible article um, that we actually reference in the back of our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, all about um, victims of abuse. And it's a woman who was abused uh, by a man, and she has found so much freedom and so much victory and just so much, like, what man meant for evil, God is using for good. And she is an incredible just testimony of God's victory in her life and just overcoming and using her story to bring hope to others. So you can click the link below. I'll I'll make sure to link that. But my hope to you throughout this entire podcast is to offer biblical wisdom and insight, um, you know, that will give you hope, that will give you clarity, that will hope you help you to know like, oh, there, there is like an overarching answer to these questions that I need to understand first. And once I understand that, then I can kind of get into the nitty gritty. And that's my hope. But I do, I mean, it's such a massive topic. And I asked a lot, I just, you know, read an example of a lot of questions that we get um, just to give you an idea so you don't feel like you're alone. And so you don't feel like, okay, am I the only one who's ever asked this or wondered this? Um, but we are going to, we're going to talk about a lot, but just know we're not going to talk about everything. So if you were hoping I would dig into something specific, know that we are going to have specific conversations here in the next few months, diving deep into specific issues. We have, we're going to have a conversation all about um, same-sex attraction. We are going to have a conversation all about women struggling with pornography. We're going to have a conversation all about abuse. Um, We are going to have a conversation um, about 
you know, all of these things. And so just know those specific conversations are coming up. So if you're like, hey, I really want to make sure you touch on this specific conversation, you can send us an email or when you leave your um, review on the podcast, um, just let us know like, hey, I'd love to hear you dig into this conversation. And just so you know, when you leave a five-star review on the podcast, it makes a huge difference. It really helps um, the word to get out. So if you like this conversation and you like that, we are digging into very hard, very controversial uh, just very not politically correct conversations from a biblical perspective, please leave us a review so that we know you see this, you like this, and you want this, and share it with your friends. Um, so yeah, uh, just a word of encouragement to kick us off here. And this is actually a quote from my book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, are linked to it below. God intentionally created each one of us to be sexual beings. From the beginning of time, he made us with sexual desires, sexual longings, sexual yearnings. He designed us this way on purpose and for a purpose. He's not a killjoy in the sky wanting to squash our sexual feelings. He's a loving creator who wants to help steer our affections and desires in the right direction, all for his glory. Out of love, he's given us beautiful parameters for how to embrace our sexuality in the right ways. He created our sexual design. Get this. He created our sexual design to teach us spiritual truths about himself. He created us with an ache for intimacy to draw us into an authentic relationship with himself. He created us to be relational because he is relational. He created us to be ultimately and completely satisfied in him. And so first and foremost, we have to understand that we were made for intimacy with God. That is one of the number one things that you were made for, intimacy, a deep relationship. So when you hear the word intimacy, think about a deep knowing, a deep relationship where you know your father and he knows you and you know his heart because you've been in the word, you've been in prayer and he knows your heart because you've shared it with him. And obviously he's God, so he knows, but you open up and you're like, God, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And so That is ultimately what every single human on earth, whether they realize it or not, that's what we were made for. That's what the truest longing of our heart was made for. And so obviously you can guess the answer right now. Can I live without sex? Um, The answer is yes. Can I live without true intimacy with God? No. You know, you can't truly live and thrive. And ultimately you can't live an eternally lasting, satisfying life without God. Um, But why, how, how can I say that? How do I back that up when I just read that God created us as sexual beings? Let's dig into scripture together. So if you are someone where you're like, I... I like to go to the word. I like to have deep conversations. I like to take a deep dive. I don't like, the, I don't just want this fluffy stuff. Um, that's the conversation for you. So if you are in it to win it, you're like, I am in this conversation. I want to dig into scripture. I want to know truly God's heart for my sexuality, God's heart for sex, God's heart for me as a woman. Then stick with me because this is where we're going today. So I want you to think about this. The desire to be truly known and truly loved is at the core of who God made us to be. The desire to be truly known and truly loved is at the core of who God made us to be. And really, when you think about sex, for most of us, isn't it this desire to be truly known and truly loved, not just to be used and tossed to the side, not just to be like a bodily exchange and then you're on to the next thing, not just for a temporary like porn fix or masturbation where you're like, okay, that satisfied me for a moment, but I still want more. I wake up the next day just as empty and hungry for more. But the true desire of all of that, what are we really after? The true desire is that we want to be known. We want to be loved. And it's that's at the core. 
of everything. And we go to the wrong places. We go to, you know, another person. We go to just trying to have this, you know, passion fulfilled. We go to self-pleasure. We go to sex with someone else. We go to same-sex attraction, um, trying to set, uh, walk that out. Um, we go to whoever it is or, or whatever that thought is or that fantasy. We often go to the, the things out there that we're never meant to truly satisfy. But the desire in our hearts isn't an accident. The desire to be truly known and truly loved isn't an accident. It's woven into the very core of who God made us to be. And he made us to be known by him, to be loved by him. And that's ultimately where we find that satisfaction. So quick scripture flyover to help us understand where I'm coming from with this. If you look in Genesis verse chapter 1, verse 27, this is in the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of creation, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. An incredible passage. We often just blow over, but how amazing. God created us. He created us in his own image. Both the man and the woman are created in the image of God. Absolutely amazing. And then he gendered them male and female. From the beginning of scripture, we see this design, this gender, this made in the image of God. Absolutely amazing. Go down a little bit to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man who he, whom he had formed. And you know the story, God created Adam first. He put him in the garden to work it and to show him his need for another human, to show him his need to be in relationship, not only with God, but with other humans. And so then we fast forward to Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. And here's where woman comes into existence. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is not, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. And then Genesis chapter two, verses 24 through 25, right after that, say this, For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. So you're seeing all these points of gender too, which is just amazing. That's not the point of where we're going with this message today, but I just want you to hear that. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Four points of gender in there. A man, gender, father, gender, mother, gender, wife, gender, and they shall become one flesh. And both the man and his wife were naked and unashamed. So in these passages that I just read, we have the creation of man and woman, which has impacted our world from the beginning until now. The creation of the covenant of marriage. Absolutely amazing. Like, We think we just make this stuff up in our modern day, but it's like from the beginning, God had a plan. From the beginning, God had a purpose. And Adam and Eve were living in perfect relationship with God. Think about what a gracious, loving father. He didn't need us, but he created us. And in the beginning with Adam and Eve, he walked in the garden. He had a perfect relationship with them. And there was no sin. There was no destruction of the sexuality of that relationship. Um, They had perfect intimacy with their father. Absolutely amazing. And then just like I said, this is a very quick flyover. So... I wish I could dig into each one of these passages more, but I hope this helps you gain a better understanding of just God's design for sex and just for intimacy and all of it. 
In Genesis 3, we see the fall and brokenness, you know, uh, Eve with a serpent and, you know, did God really say questioning, um, you know, wanting wisdom and wanting this freedom that she believed she didn't have Adam as well. And so all of a sudden we have brokenness and our sexuality from that point on is marred and we want to do things our own way from that first moment in the garden when sin entered the world until now. Do you see how we want to do things our own way? We want to find satisfaction where we want to find satisfaction. We want what we call our truth. This is what I believe to lead us toward freedom, but it never does. It's always just one step away. Genesis 3.1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Genesis 3, 6 through 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Do you see what they realized? Sexuality immediately marred. They were living in freedom, naked and unashamed. And now shame has entered the picture. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Do you see what sin did? Relationship, their relationship with God was now broken. It was now not what it was originally intended to be. And their relationship with one another was now broken as well. And so from that point on, Throughout the rest of scripture, literally until Revelation, and the story that we are living out right now is the redemption story. And we look ahead to that future time where one day all things will be made new, all things will be restored. We'll, we'll one day be in the perfect garden with our perfect Savior, unashamed, living with Christ, and in perfect relational intimacy with Him. And so I want to just read you another snippet from my book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, because it is so absolutely so, so encouraging and gives such a great picture of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And this is the redemption story that speaks directly to our sexuality. God, in the form of Jesus Christ, entered our dirty, broken, and messed up world to show us how much he loves us. The costly price of sin that we just read about would be met with the gracious sacrifice of the Savior. Jesus was ready and willing to take the punishment for that sin that humanity rightly deserved. He was ready to die in our place by taking our guilt upon himself. He was willing to sacrifice his own body his own body to satisfy the just and righteous wrath of God. Every lustful thought, every glance at porn, every indulgence in sexual fantasies, every immoral relationship, all of it, Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven. Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven. Amazing. Like, mind-blowing. As Jesus hung on the cross, bloody, bruised, and beaten, Hope must have seemed lost to those watching at the moment. As he breathed his last breath and collapsed unconscious, the story must have seemed over. The hero of the world was dead. For three dark days, Jesus laid silently in a tomb. Darkness seemed to be winning. Just as the evil one was ready to claim the victory, the ground began to shake. The large stone in front of the tomb miraculously rolled away. Then Jesus did something that shocked the entire world even to this day. He rose from the dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus is alive. 
Through Jesus' death and resurrection, he absorbed all of our guilt, past, present, and future. He paid the punishment for all of our deepest, darkest, and most shameful sexual sins. He died for the very sin that we try to cover and hide. He died and provided the true covering that we all need. Because of Jesus, we don't have to hide behind fig leaves anymore. We can accept the perfect covering of forgiveness and righteousness that he gives us. As Pastor John Piper says, Jesus did what he came to do. Our inner longings for a hero, our hero, have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the one our soul yearns for. And if we fast forward to Revelation, we actually get a glimpse at the end of the story. We get a glimpse of where we're going, where we're going to be. Revelation 22, 1 through 5 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. So do you see how we started in the garden? And it was perfect. But then humans, we said, I think I, I, think I want to do things my way. And now we were in in this between these two gardens in brokenness. Jesus has come, but we're still waiting for this final garden where everything will be made new. Look at this picture of this beautiful future garden. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever and ever. So this is a super quick flyover, but this is the story. This is the story from brokenness to redemption one day, and we're in that between place. This is our hope. I mean, think about it. Without Jesus, without this future hope, what is there? No wonder the world tells us, like, you know, the height of your life really is an ultimate sexual experience, you know? Like, I mean, no wonder whether that's with the same sex, a different sex, multiples, whatever it is, you've got to figure out what makes you ultimately satisfied and you got to live that out. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's ultimately not what you were created for. You were created for perfect relationship with me that was broken. You did things your own way. You still want to do things your own way. But one day, if you trust me and you are my daughter, you will be in that perfect garden again. You won't need lights. You won't need lamps because you will be face to face with your Savior and you will serve him and live in glory with him forever and ever. And this is where our identity is found. It's not found in who we identify as. It's not found in our pronouns. It's not found in our relationship status. It's not found in how much sex we have. It's not found in um, any of that. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ and his redemption and being made new and being called his daughter. That is the most important thing about us. And that's where freedom really is found as well. Freedom is not found in doing things our own way. Freedom is not found in accomplishing or achieving or having a certain area of our life satisfied. Um, freedom is not found in those ways by doing our own thing. I mean, look back at Adam and Eve. Look where that got them. Freedom is found in understanding that we are image bearers of Christ, that we were made for deep, intimate relationship with Him, and that one day we will be with Him face to face forever, that shame and that guilt will no longer be part of our story, but we will be just set free with Him. Absolutely amazing. And so that brings me to this point of sex and intimacy. I felt like we couldn't really dig into 
the question, can I be satisfied without sex, um, without understanding kind of a quick flyover of where we've, <laughs> like our story. Um, but what I want you to know is that you were made for a deep, all-knowing, all-satisfying intimacy with your Savior. And um, it's something that I didn't really come to understand until actually like shortly before I got married. And I share all about like my journey of singleness and, um, you know, when I got married and all of that in my book, Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. So if you're struggling to trust God right now, if you're struggling to like know, okay, like I want to have a deep intimate relationship with Christ. I want that all satisfying knowing of my Savior, but I'm not sure how. Um, grab a copy of my book, Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. You can grab it on anywhere books are sold or at girldefined.com slash shop. Um, but I, this is the thing that I discovered shortly before I got married. And it's the meaning and importance of like my longings and my desires. Um, and I think that the desire to experience true intimacy, like I already said, it's not accidental. It's not something we as women should shove aside or strive to satisfy or in, you know, in temporal ways. The desire to be truly known and truly loved is actually at the very core of who God created us to be. So I want you to hear that. Your desire for true intimacy, to be truly known and truly loved, is actually at the very core of who God created you to be. And I talked about this at the beginning. Those are not mistakes. That is the essence and core of what God created you to do to find satisfaction and fulfillment in in a certain way, but we often go to things other than Christ to find that true intimacy and that true knowing. Like I said, we go to pornography, masturbation, relationship, um, trying to define ourselves. We go to so many different things, uh, but <laughs> that can never fully satisfy. Um, our, I think that it's important to remember that God longs to know you on a personal level. He wants to have a deep and meaningful relationship with you. I want you to hear me say that. Like God wants to have a deep and meaningful relationship with you specifically. And the thing that really blew my mind when I was kind of like studying all of this, you know, a few years before I got married, um, was this word that I came across. And it's a word that God uses in scripture, a very specific Hebrew word throughout the Bible to help us understand his intimate love for us. And that word is yada. And I know that Chris and I have talked about this some, but it's very, very interesting. So in Hebrew, the word yada literally means to know deeply or intimately. The word yada appears in the Old Testament more than 940 times. The word yada is most often used to describe intimacy with God, his with us, and ours with him. And that's a quote taken from Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. Um, God intentionally uses the word yada to help us see that he doesn't want a casual or surface level relationship. That's not why he created us. He created us to know him and to have a deep and satisfying relationship with him. He wants to, to know us and he wants us to know him. And so I want you to think about this with me, with me, because as I looked, um, like at some of the uses of the word yada in the Old Testament, I found that there were, um, you know, many familiar verses that, that were super, super helpful. And I want to read some of those to you. Um, and although some of these verses I had read multiple times throughout my life, I never really understood their true meaning because I didn't exactly know, like, what they were trying to say. And when I understood this Hebrew word yada, it helped me to better grasp what this pa these passages were saying. So the word yada 
Again, means to be known deeply or to deeply know. So this speaks to the very essence of what we were created for. So if you look at Psalm 139, verses 113 and 14, you'll recognize these verses, but I want you to think about them in the context of Yada, to be known, to be deeply known. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known. And the word there, the Hebrew word is Yada. You have deeply known me. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows. Yah does it very well. And so he's saying, God, you've searched me and you deeply know me. You formed me together. You like literally knit me together. I praise you. I'm giving praise to you. Wonderful are your works. My soul deeply knows this. Like, I believe this. I, you know me, and I believe that you deeply know me. And then if you look at Psalm 9, 10, and those who know, those who deeply know you, Lord, put their trust in you, for you have not forsaken those who seek you. And then Psalm 100, verse 3, know, deeply know, yada, that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so right there, you see that God's heart toward us is so incredibly clear. He doesn't just know about us in a general sense. Like he doesn't know you just a general sense, like maybe some of your coworkers or people on social media. He knows you deeply and intimately. He formed your inward parts and knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knows you from a creator's standpoint and from a relational standpoint. If you are, if you are his daughter, if you've trusted in Christ for your salvation, you are his. You are the sheep of his pasture, and he cares for you deeply. He yadaws your heart. He deeply knows you. He knows the soul. He knows your like the very soul and core of your being, and he wants your soul to deeply know him. He wants you to know that he is a wonderful God who created you as his wonderful creation. He desires to have a deeper connection with you. Like, do you believe that? Do you really believe that your God wants to know you? Do you desire that back for him? And it's okay if right now you're sitting and you're saying, I don't desire that. Like, it's okay. You can cry out to God. You can pray. You can say, God, I don't believe that. I don't even, you know, I I am struggling to believe that what the world offers is less than what you offer. I feel like what the world offers is better. You can confess that to God and say, God, please help me. Please change me. But I want you to think like when we just talked about the first humans that were created, when we rewind and look back at the very first humans that were ever created, you see that God's intention was to yada humanity all along. His intention was to deeply know them and walk in that personal, intimate relationship with himself. Just like we talked about, Adam and Eve were created to walk and talk with God himself. There were no barriers. <laughs> there were no issues. Just perfect peace with their father. And that's exactly what God wants with you. Like today, he wants a relationship. He wants intimacy. He wants closeness. He wants yada. He wants to deeply know you and for you to deeply know him. And think like, just like we talked about, that's why Jesus came to make a way for you and for me to experience that with him. And there's this amazing article by John Bloom from Desiring God called How to have intimacy with God. And I think he says it so perfectly. He says, God wants intimacy with you. Christ has done all the hard work in the cross to make it possible. All he requires is that you believe in him. He wants you to trust him with all your heart. What you must trust God most with for right now is where he means for you to draw closer to him. If you're single and you're like, this is really hard for me, God wants to use that to draw you into a deep, yada, all-knowing relationship with him. If you have regrets from your past, God wants to use that to draw you into a deep, all-knowing, yada, relationship with himself. 
And I think it's important specifically for us as women to understand and acknowledge that we were made for deep intimacy with God. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to seek Him with all our hearts. He wants us to thirst for Him as if we were desperate for water. He wants us to know that in His presence is fullness of joy. Like fullness of joy can be found in God's presence. And if you've never experienced that and you doubt doubt that this is true, it's like our very creator is telling us what we were made for. And it's we we live like crazy people. We look around and we see that it never the the world's ways and Hollywood and celebrities and these people who seem to have it all, it ultimately never works. There's never true satisfaction. There's never ultimate, ultimate life, even when they have everything, even when they have all the hottest guys and money, as much sex as they want. And never ultimately satisfies, but we're like crazy people. We don't believe it. We say, but maybe it's just a little more. Maybe if we could just get that one more thing. And it never works. Like we literally need to get off the crazy cycle. Um, I just think like if we don't understand how <laughs> we're meant to relate to God first and foremost, all our relationships, sexual and non-sexual, will struggle. Everything in our life will will not be the way that it was supposed to be. We will, you know, we'll just, we'll never experience true intimacy as God intended with others unless we understand how to have true intimacy with and to yada God. Um, and so I think it's just super important to realize at the core, take sex, take everything else out of the picture. Ultimately, we were created to know God in a deep and intimate way. That is the that is the true longing of our hearts. When you get away, all like dig past all these surface desires, all these surface longings, are these surface things that we see, and we say, "What am I truly longing for?" It's to be truly known, to be truly loved, to be truly cared for, to be truly seen and heard, and say, "I love you." Like I want to know you, and and to have that relationship back. And that's something that can only be found with our perfect Creator. And one day, think there will no be no more marriage. There will be no more sex. There won't be any of this but we'll be perfectly satisfied in the presence of our Savior because we'll be living in the way that we were truly created for. And so what does yada and all of this have to do with sex? I promise I'm getting somewhere with all of this. Um, so this is the part that was very, very eye-opening for me um, when I was studying this several years ago. And I actually wrote an entire chapter in Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart called Girl, You Were Made for Intimacy. So if you're like, I want to dig deeper, you can, I'll link this book below. You can grab a copy of Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart because this portion of what I'm sharing with you right now, a lot of this is taken from that chapter. Um, so we see the word yada used in the context of knowing God and, and, um, uh, being deeply known. Like God used the word yada to describe not only his deep love for us, but also something like, you know, very different that we're not expecting. So I think when you hear yada, you're thinking, okay, great. That's what God, God wants me to know him and him to know me. But he, to help us understand the right context and purpose for sex, God intentionally used the word yada to describe sexual intimacy. And this is where it gets very surprising. And like really mind blowing because yada changes everything in the context of sex. The deep knowing that God has for his children is the same type of deep knowing that God intends for married couples to have with each other. Sex isn't just supposed to be a bodily ex exchange. Sex is supposed to be an expression of the deep knowing and love that a husband and wife share. And so Greg Smalley puts it this way. God's idea of yada and marriage is for you to know your spouse completely, for you to be deeply known by your spouse and for both of you to enjoy each other. Sexually. And so here are a few verses um, where yada is used in the context of sexual intimacy. 
Genesis 4.1. Now Adam knew he adored his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So this verse is describing a deeper knowing, a deeper love, a deeper intimacy, not just a bodily exchange, but sexual intimacy that points to something even greater. It's it's talking about this deep knowing with one another that we can live out on this earth like in a sexual way, but it's so much more than that. It's saying you have this deep knowing with one another, but ultimately the deepest knowing of your heart can only ever be found ultimately in Christ. Um, it's a picture pointing to something greater. Genesis 4.17, Cain knew Yada his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And Genesis 24.16, and the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known Yada her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. So understanding sex within the context of Yada changes everything because it unblocks the truth about God, how God designed sex to be pursued and enjoyed. Um, I think we think often like, okay, I can't live without sex because we often think of it like just this physically satisfying thing. But when we really think about it and we really think about um, what God created sex to be a picture of and a a celebration of and an expression of, it's really crazy Um, because God uses the same Hebrew word for God's love and sexual intimacy, we're able to learn big things about both. God's faithful and deep love, it teaches us about sex, which is crazy. Like, we don't often think about that. And while passionate sex within marriage teaches us about God, it's like, it wasn't just accidental that God created sex. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm creating sex, but there's no greater purpose for it. It's crazy because it's it should uh, reflect and teach us something about like more than just a bodily exchange. And so both um, a deep knowing with Christ and sex within marriage point to the fact that God is deeply relational and he designed us to be the same. We were made for Yadza. We were created to be deeply known and loved by our creator. We were created as sexual beings to be deeply known within a covenant marriage. Sex is a magnificent gift from God. If we can learn to view it through the lens of yada, it will inform us of so much. We will learn how to cherish it rightly and embrace it within the best context. We will build our marriages on a foundation of transparency, vulnerability, and true intimate love. And so, I think that's why you can see how there are so many marriages that they may be having sex or maybe they're not even having sex at all because there isn't a true intimacy involved. And you can have all the sex in the world, but if there isn't a true intimacy, that deep knowing, that love, that sacrifice, that transparency, that vulnerability, then what even is it? You know, sex isn't just supposed to be sex within itself. Sex was created to be within the covenant marriage, a celebration of that covenant, and ultimately this expression and recognition that we were created for something more that the deepest longings of our heart, as deeply as we can know each other, this isn't it. There's more to life and there's something greater that we were created for. And so that's where we get to the point of what you can't live without. You, you know, you can live without sex, but you can't live without true intimacy. You were made for yada. And do you see the difference? You were made for deep intimacy with Jesus. When your heart is filled with a soul-satisfying relationship with Christ, you have everything you need to thrive. Whether you ever get married or not, you have everything you need to thrive. When yada with Jesus becomes a core part of your existence, you will view your sexuality through a different lens. You, be, you will begin to realize that your sexuality enables you to better understand the depths of Christ's love. 
And you can see that sex within marriage is about so much more than going through the motions. It's about deeply knowing the person you're sexually intimate with. And so instead of looking to a mere human to satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, choose to build an intimate relationship with your Savior. Choose to seek Him with all your heart. You were made for intimacy. You were made for Yata. And I know that's a lot, and we did a massive flyover, even though we've been chatting for like 45 minutes. Um, it's such a big topic though. And so the core of what I want you to leave, what I want to leave you with is just that line. You can live without sex, but you can't live without intimacy. You were made for intimacy with Christ. That's ultimately one day where you will be. Think like you one day will live in a perfect relationship with Christ in eternity. You won't be married. You won't be having sex, but think you'll be completely and perfectly satisfied. Why? How? Because you were made in the image of God and ultimately he created you in the perfect garden to be known and to know your Savior, to have that deep, all-satisfying, all-knowing yada. And on earth, the greatest picture and reflection we have of that is that relational intimacy. And we can experience that in different ways. I mean, we were created for deep relationships. And so think about like one of the worst punishments that someone can be given, you know, like when they're in jail or something, you know, the isolation, the solitary confinement, they do that to as a, as a cruel form of punishment to try to, you know, get to the person, get them to think, torture them, whatever they're doing. Um, and so confinement, aloneness, it's its against the very nature of our being. Why? Why is that so hard for us? Because we were made as relational beings ultimately to know Christ, but also each other. So just in the context of pure, genuine friendship, we were made for that. I mean, think of the body of Christ. Think of the church, the start of it in Acts, and just how that's what we were created for. We were not meant to do life alone. And then the deepest, most intimate relationship that can ever be had is a marriage, you know, that covenant, that reflection of Christ in the church, that sacrifice, that love, that commitment. And then sex is that celebration of that, but not just a bodily exchange, that serving, that sacrificing, that loving, that knowing, that accepting. It's it's so beautiful, but it's a picture of something even greater. The deepest longings of our hearts can never even be satisfied by a man loving us and knowing us sexually, it can ultimately only ever be satisfied in Christ. So when we look to other things, when we look to other people to do what only God can do, we're we're literally setting them up for failure and we're setting ourselves up for failure because only Christ can truly satisfy. So yes, you can live without sex. Even if you look back and you're like, but I've tasted it, I've experienced it in the past. Are you telling me that now if I never get married, because that's God's good design for sex, if I never get married, that I have to you know, live a life, a sexless life, and I can be happy and thrive? Absolutely. 100%. But you have to press into that relationship with God. You need to have good community around you. You need to be plugged into a local body, a church. You need to be in those thriving relationships. You need to know God deeply and to know him deeply and to praise him and to worship him and to be in prayer. All of that um, is a part of finding that full life and satisfaction. And if you're someone where you're like, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction or anything else, and you're like, okay, so you're telling me that I can never find, I can never express that and and have that, what a cruel God. The, the answer is the same for, you know, uh, a single who isn't getting married and, and someone who has that same-sex attraction. The answer is the same. That's not where true satisfaction is found. True satisfaction is found in Christ. And yes, we are called to deny ourselves. I mean, Jesus, our Savior, was the ultimate example. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came to fulfill 
fulfill the will of his father. We put way too much emphasis on what we want, our desires, how we are feeling, what we long for. And God's saying, no, put that on the altar. You are to live for me. You are to um, pour your life out for me. You are to um, serve those around you. Life isn't about you. Um, When you lose your life, that's where you will find it. It's the exact opposite message that we're being told from our very own hearts and from those around us. But Jesus is the ultimate example. Think of Jesus. He came, the perfect creator. He came down to earth. He never had sex and he completely fulfilled the will of his father. He completely fulfilled the very purpose for what he was created for. He literally, you know, made a way for all of humanity to know his father, um, which is absolutely amazing. And he did it willingly and humbly. And that's the heart that God is calling us to. And so when we look at our savior, we can say, wow, God, even he He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He loves us. He cares about us. Um, okay, I'm, I could go on and on and on, but my hope and encouragement that I want to leave with you is that, yes, you can live without sex, but you can't live without true intimacy. And if you are married and you're like, yeah, I want to experience a greater level of intimacy in my marriage and with Christ, then I encourage you to, one, get to know God in a deeper way. Start spending more time with Him. Dig into the Psalms. Psalm 39 is a great place to start. It's a beautiful passage to help you know God more. Ask God to help you. And then in your marriage, remember, it's not just about a bodily exchange. It's about serving one another, about loving the other well, about putting the other's needs before your own and saying, I want to love you. I want to bring you passion and life. I want to I want to know you deeper, not just showing up at the end of the day and going through these motions. Like, I want to know you deeper. So whether that's going and getting counseling or, you know, setting aside more time just to engage and get to know the other's heart, you know, and being intentional with your date nights, um, whatever it is, it's growing that intimacy because that intimacy is what will fuel a healthy, beautiful sexual relationship. And I know there are all sorts of nuances and complications. That's why I encourage you to be plugged into a local body and, you know, don't be afraid or ashamed of getting counseling. We all need it at points in our life. And I think marriage is complicated. It's two sinners (laughs) trying to love each other. And so it's probably one of the number one places that we need the most counseling. So don't be afraid to reach out and get that. And I'll actually put a link below to a free um, counseling um, resource uh, where you can find in your own city counselors and they're very biblically based and I highly recommend them. And, you know, whether you're single or married, they're an awesome, uh, awesome resource for you. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up. But again, if you want to learn how to better trust God to thrive, if you want to hear my whole journey of going from totally single, you know, hoping I'd get married in my early 20s to not getting married until I was 30. And just that whole process of trusting God, wanting to know him, um, just learning how to have true intimacy and coming to the point of thriving in believing that I may never get married and never have sex and all of that. You can read about that and not part of the plan, trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. Not part of the plan, trusting God with twists and turns of your story. I can guarantee you that each one of us have those things in our lives that are not part of the plan. We didn't want this. They're twists and turns that we never expected. But I promise you that God is good. He can take what man meant for evil and use it for good. He can um, take our lives in ways that, you know, we never hoped they would turn out. And he can say, I have a good plan for you. And if you trust me, if you follow me, you can thrive. You can have life. You can live for me. You can serve me. So grab a copy of Not Part of the Plan. Um, You can grab it anywhere online or at our shop, girldefined.com slash shop. And I will see you next week.